it's a concern and it, it feels really, really wrong that it, it shouldn't have escalated this far. And someone surely has not only a duty of care in our party to sort of stop it before it gets that far, but you would think they would be incensed by it because so many of them are so quick to come out during Pride Month and say, you know, are oh, we support the LGBTQ plus unity? Well, where are you when it counts? I mean, I think, I think that's really important. And one of the things when I listened to the, when I watched the interview on Politics Live, I thought, I thought that she very unfairly compared the hate that she got to the hate that Diane Abbott gets. And I, I actually thought that that was completely out of line because they're for two, they're for two very different things. Diane Abbott is, um, maybe she is a little controversial, I don't know, but she's a black woman um, at the front of Labour Party politics. She was, she was the Shadow Home Secretary for an extended number of years and she has a high profile for representing her, her seat. Now, the racism that she gets and the you know the fact that she's received over I think 50% of all the um all the nasty comments and hatred trolls in terms of comments I think then then all the other MPs combined I think is the fact something something some statistic like that which is which is quite insane there's a very big difference between you declaring yourself to be a transphobe and then being upset at people who disagree with you um, people for example like the LGBT labor community those are people who you know who supported who supported Rosie and people who came down to campaign for her, social societies who helped her get into her position. I was one of those people. I really didn't know that she had an issue with this. And if I had known, I definitely wouldn't have canvassed for her in the 2019 general election. And I won't be doing so again until there's some quite serious changes that have been made, what she does. And there's, there's no place for it. Like, I just think that there's no place for transphobia. And we're all learning. I'm trying to be the best ally I can. I'm definitely not perfect. But there's there's no there's no room for Rosie Duffield's thoughts or comments, I think, in the Labour movement as it currently is. And I think every day that Keir and Team Keir doesn't take action on that is just another day where they're upsetting the trans community. Absolutely. And for her to compare herself and Diane Abbott kind of links back to what Meghan Markle actually said in her interview that rudeness and racism are not the same. Like, undeniably, <laughs> I have seen Rosie get abuse I mean I'm not going to condone the nastiness I've seen because there is holding someone to account and then there is being abusive and obviously I don't think anyone condones anyone getting abuse but when you're an MP and you're being flagrantly transphobic you should probably expect you're going to get some level of criticism it's a shame that criticism isn't coming from people at the top of the party but it is what it is. So on our show today we have two fantastic guests Morgan and Lilla please introduce yourselves. I'm Morgan Jones. I'm, I'm a non-binary Labour member. I use they them pronouns. Hi, I'm Lilla Marshall. I'm a 22-year-old trans woman. I'm a journalist slash scientist slash whatever, um, former member of the Labour Party. Thanks for both coming on to talk about this topic. So our first question really is, what's it like for you to be either in the Labour Party or in the Labour movement as a whole? It's, it's a mixed bag, really, because, like, in my in my local party, for example, I'm out to people, and it's it's all very accepting, and people know that. Obviously, um, on like the national level, there's often transphobia to be found in lots of places because, but and it's just it's quite tiring, but it can be good, but there are ups and downs. Do you, Morgan? Do you find that there are you have a supportive CLP and a supportive local branch, and that's what makes it a better place for you yeah I think so Lilla I think your your answer might be a little bit different 
due to your connections mm-hmm. with the Labour Party or your lack of connections with the Labour Party? Well, my relationship with politics is much more through journalism than through like party politics. And one thing which I think being trans really affects is that a lot of the time you get told that it's so important to listen to people who disagree with you all the time. And so I'll see people who are like high and mighty, like, oh, I hate Piers Morgan. I disagree with everything he stands for, but I don't know. I respect him because I respect different views. But as a as a trans woman, I often feel like I can't do that because these people often hold views which are just like, I should be banned from public life, essentially. They'll never say that straight. But when they say, we don't want you using public toilets, but what's, what's the alternative? So it does massively like, make it difficult to branch out and link with other people you disagree with. Do you Have you found in the past your relationship with people within the Labour movement to be difficult and consistently tough or have you found that there are some people who are more, you know, some people who are definitely, who's definitely been more of your allies than your enemy? The majority of members that I've interacted with within the Labour movement have definitely been supportive and like and where they have stumbled, they've always wanted to do better. Mm. Um, and I, I think any issues within the labour movement are towards the top rather than towards the bottom. So so I think, you know, what Morgan said and what uh, Lilla said there is essentially their local, some people in their local branches are very supportive. Some people that they've interacted with at maybe labour events and things like that have been supportive. But there's just a problem at the top that needs to, that really needs to be fixed and that's not always necessarily what you see uh, when you go to your local CLP or branch meeting. So you kind of touched on it with the Piers Morgan thing, but do you think that the right-wing media has severely hindered the journey to full trans rights in the UK? And if so, how do we overcome that? Um, I think it, I think it's definitely hindered the journey to trans rights, to be honest, because whenever there is the slightest progress or the slightest move to inclusion there's always a backlash against that and and often that's picked up by MPs as well and then they bring it into parliament so then, and then it can get implemented like my my local MP has been quite bad for it and it's just tiring because you can see exactly where he's got it from <laughs> and as for overcoming it I think it's difficult to know how to properly overcome it entirely but I think I think opposition like Labour and other papers need to push back against the transphobia until it stops coming but we never know when or if that's going to happen. Yeah I agree I think that's one of the things that's been quite disappointing is seeing no Labour MP willing to actually say anything about certain people's behaviour. Lilla did you want to come in next? Um, Yes but I disagree with the framing of right-wing media because I think that the left-wing or liberal media such as the Guardian or the um oh which one's the left one is it the Morning Star am I making that up they they've both had massive issues of transphobia and uh, to be honest when they do it it's just as damaging because it kind of tells the liberals the middle class people that like transphobia is okay um I have this friend who um, has spoken with a friend slash person they know 
who has been like, well, J.K. Rowling's things can't be that bad because The Guardian, they're like a lefty paper and they say it's fine. So it's like these people would otherwise be allies, but they're being turned away. It's like the right-wing press, they, they hit every minority, but the liberal press, they take like special issue with trans people, I feel, although they're, they're equally <laughs> as bad on some other issues as well. Um, well, I was actually just going to ask, kind of ask about that. Did you, have you found, just because I just come back to Lilla, when you say, and I think you've, you've rightly pointed out The Guardian there is someone who's a paper that uh, you would think would stand up for the rights of minorities, but in this case has failed to have done so. Do you, do you paint all, you know, maybe ask Morgan as well, do you paint all media with the same brush as a result of what kind of The Guardian have done? Or can you, can you both say um, that there's maybe a journalist that you like or somebody that's maybe standing up for the trans community more? Or are we at the state where the vast majority of papers and outlets, whether they're left-wing or right-wing traditionally, don't have a good um, policy or don't push for trans rights? I know enough about how these media outlets work to like know that they shouldn't be tied with the same brush. It's like one bad journalists can lead to just one bad article which is all it takes to harm the reputation uh, I could say that 99% of the Guardian uh, transphobic output can be pinned down to a few people and um, some of whom may no longer be at the Guardian and equally there are many supportive journalists there and Owen Jones still works for the Guardian doesn't he um, he's always been very good on trans rights for example um, I think it's important not to write these papers off in a way because, <laughs> as I said, they are close to being our allies. And if we're going to fight in the media, these are going to be the places where the fight has to happen. We're not going to get to the point where the sun is being more progressive on trans rights before the Guardian is. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Like, it's it's thing of there is no, there's not one paper that's entirely good on it, but there are some that are, there are some that have better journalists on it than others. And I think the issue, the if the transphobic voice is being platformed rather than there being a lot more transphobic voice a lot more transphobic voices so then i guess the question to both of you is how can we start small how can we influence people like the guardian who maybe have a predominantly good set of journalists who understand the trans rights cause and understand what's going on um, and a couple that maybe don't but how can you how to maybe influence media have you thought about what's the best way to maybe start turning the tide and all the hate and division that these papers you know probably media outlets but I'm sure other people as well are causing. I think it's difficult to know what to do with it, really. It's just, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what we can really do, but it's, we just have to keep trying at whatever we do, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I mean, part of the reason that I'm uh, working towards being a journalist is that I've seen how awful some issues are and I'm like, well, you can't change it unless you go for it yourself. So that that's my way. I'm not saying that every trans ally should become a journalist. I think that's a terrible idea. but. Um, I do think that show support to journalists who are, I mean, especially trans journalists, but also allies. I think just support those people and call out transphobia when you see it. Don't give it more attention than it des deserves. Um, I think it's important to seek out uh, both trans uh, supportive journalists and especially trans journalists, although there's not many of them. One thing which transphobes are very good at is when they find someone who's sympathetic to their views, they bomb them with love. 
And once you bomb someone with love, it makes it very difficult for that person to then ever change their mind. So I'm not saying that we resort to quite as sinister tactics as that, because that's like borderline manipulation. But show love, show appreciation, read articles and call out the bad ones. It's on something like a few people have been saying, sort of the way that transphobes tend to kind of, like you say, bomb people with love. Um, it's, it's almost like a, like a, it, it is a, it's a radicalisation process for some of these people like it's they go from a sort of mild kind of and then it becomes like full and we've seen it happen with several people now um it's a weird escalation process but it does start like you say with them doing that there have been interviews with people who've like who were like turfs and have left it who've like described it as very cult like uh, i think pink news have reported on quite a few of those but they're they're quite interesting to read but yeah it's very culty (laughs) So, you know, moving back to um, the Labour Party and maybe just in a broader sense, the Labour movement, do you feel like the leader of the Labour Party, Keir Starmer, do you feel like his team are supportive of trans rights? If not, how do you think we could change it or how do you think we could influence him to take a better step? I wouldn't say that he's opposed to trans rights per se, but but there seems to be quite a bit of uh, sitting on the fence over it, trying to appease both sides and treat it as a debate which I think it it sounds good on paper but in practice it may, in practice you sort of need to pick a side because if you win over transphobes you're going to lose trans people if you win over trans people you're going to lose transphobes and it was pick a side which means to pick a side and fight against transphobia and and that's from outside and inside there's certain transphobic figures in the party who who have had no They've been allowed to carry on with their transphobia without any pushback from the party, which is, which there really, there really needs to be a lot more pushback against transphobia in the party. I expected Stan to do better on trans rights than he has been. So he's let, he's let you down then, what you're, is what you're saying? Yeah. Right, okay. Do you, do you agree, Lilla? Keir Stan has convinced himself that being pro-trans rights is bad for electability which is a, it's not true for starters, but second is just completely immoral. I'm hesitant to say that he doesn't support trans people and even more hesitant to say he's transphobic. However, the SNP definition of transphobia does classify that framing trans people as a debate is classified as transphobic. The um, labour trans equality movement, it's a very good, uh, quite recent movement, is trying to push a definition of transphobia in the Labour Party. Um, their point is it? Yeah, sixth point is that claiming that there's a conflict between trans people's rights and women's rights is classed as transphobic by them. So it is. This is like whenever there is pressure on Keir Starmer to do something about individuals accused of transphobia, he does bring up the oh, this is a toxic debate that we need to detoxify. We need to listen to both sides, and it's like, hang on, you you are you are perpetuating this these transphobic ideas here. Sort yourself out. How much of it do you think comes from the fact that he is um, a cisgender man? Do you think there's an element of it where he feels like it's almost not his place? to get involved in the debate, not that there should be a debate at all. He's the leader of the party at the end of the day. I I can maybe understand why he's hesitant, but if he doesn't have the balls to stand up and go, listen, I'm the leader. I'm surrounded by strong women. Angela Rayner, his deputy, is a strong trans ally. Lisa Nandy, his foreign secretary, is a trans ally, or at least I believe they were, or I'm sceptical about 
<laughs> the state right now. Um, but I think if we're looking at he is sick and like going, why is this thing? I think it's his age is the thing. Like when you <laughs> uh, being trans is seen as this like young trendy thing, and like older people don't quite understand it. I mean, kids fifty eight. He's not. He's not ancient, but. I, I, I'm, I would not be surprised if Keir Starmer does not really understand what trans rights is all about. At the next, you know, Labour's now going through a um, series of policy shifts, policy changes, uh, a, po- a formation of policy that will last us now into the next general election, which, you know, could be as early as 2024, might be sooner, might be later. What If you had a 10-minute or a 15-minute meeting with Keir or Keir's team or Keir's policy team, what would you say are some really clear policies or ideas that we can put into action or we can start thinking about now, which would mean that when we get to that general election, we are very clear that we are on the side of the trans community and the LGBTQ plus community as a whole. I think a place to start would be with self-ID as regards to GRA reform. Because obviously the lack of that at the moment is current is a barrier to trans healthcare at the moment. But there also, there also has to be more than that because there is more to... Trans, there's more to transitioning and being trans than, than the basic medical transitionary because there's also the social impact. So like part of that, part of standing up for that would be standing up for policies against hate speech. And even with and another policy idea would be uh, to would be to provide funding to provide better funding to youth groups, although that sounds irrelevant to it, but specifically LGBT ones, they can be very helpful in young people accessing, in young LGBT and trans people accessing support. So backing more funding for that would be another big step. Um, Yeah, I agree with all of those. Although I'd say that the main point absolutely has to be healthcare. Um, right now, the NHS are massively behind on appointments. They're claiming there's like a three-year waiting list at the moment, although I'm pretty sure there's people who've been waiting longer than that. Um, I was lost in the system personally. It's an entire mess. The entire system, it needs to be scrapped and reworked because the idea of referring trans people to these gender identity clinics where they have to wait ages for a first appointment which is often just to find out oh are you like mentally okay like is this really what you want and it's like yeah it's been four years this is what I want GPs should be given the training and the well they already have the right to prescribe HRT they just don't do it because they're worried about the legal cost uh, the legal risks so the, the entire system is just a mess designed to like make everything difficult for trans people and that needs to be shouted out from the rooftops and addressed. I completely agree with all that to be honest as well. Like like I haven't I haven't I haven't tried to access the NHS service yet, but I know close friends who have had to wait years just who waited years to get an appointment, went to the appointment, were told no, I had to wait years for another appointment. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine how awful it must be to have to have it prolonged you know basic healthcare. it, it should just be what you're entitled to <laughs> it, it's as simple as that um so it's a shame it's a shame just on that note Lauren it's a shame that you have to wait so long to basically be who you are essentially so I think you look I think that's a clear I think we all agree that's a clear message for Keir is that definitely GRA reform is needed but on and self-ID 
but there's a lot that needs to be looked inside the NHS about um, how people are going through what their mental health is like when they go through the system and how quickly it takes because from what you've both said the process could be done a lot quicker and more efficiently and I think that's probably the best for everyone including the taxpayer. What advice would you have for someone who thinks they might be either trans or non-binary? Um, so one of the main features of being trans is that you end up being every new trans person's therapist. <laughs> I have had multiple friends come to me and say, hey, my friend has just come out. Please help me or help them, give them advice and stuff. Um, so one thing I'd say is don't be afraid to reach out to your friends for help, especially if you know they're going to be supportive already. They are your friends. But also know your surroundings, know your situations. I feel really bad saying this, but if it is not safe to come out, you need to think long and hard before you make any decisions. Likewise, if you know it is safe to come out, you want to get started as quick as you can, really, because you're going to be in this waiting list for four years. You can figure it out there. But those would be my main advice is the people around you, if you know that they are going to be supportive, let them support you. Don't deal with it yourself because you'll drive yourself crazy. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said there. Other piece of advice I give is that if you think that you might be trans or non-binary, you, you need to you can't rush into it too much because because you can't rush into finding the right label or name too much. Because I personally I went through several uh, before settling on the one of one I'm using now. Other than that, of course, adding to <laughs> adding to what Lilla said, I completely agree with what said. Um, is also to be look into whether there is a LGBT or trans service thing near where you live because that can that, that can provide a lot of support and it can be very helpful when you look into the next few years do you think do you think that your you know your friends and family they're very hopefully they're very accepting and do you think society will will become more accepting as time goes on or do you think this is just another divisive tactic to you know separate out the the, the classes and what people think will hopefully become more hopefully become more inclusive as time goes on but it's just a matter of if you take two steps forward you're going to end up taking one step back because whenever there's progress there's backlash and it's just constant I mean to keep going through it and but hopefully it will be more inclusive as time goes on. I have a mixed take on this and I'm sorry for the pessimism I think we're in for a rough decade I think that we are the target of the, the, we're one of the biggest targets of the right-wing culture war, which is something that they've become absolutely obsessed with. We're seeing it over there in America right now. Donald Trump, uh, Ben Shapiro and all them, they've really latched onto trans people at the moment and they're using turf rhetoric. Liz Truss attempted it at the start of the pandemic. Honestly, I feel worried that if there wasn't a pandemic, we could be living in a society where there, we did have a bathroom bill on the House of Commons floor. I think it's going to be a terrible decade, but in the long term, we're going to win, like purely on demographic basis on nothing else. Just things are going to work out like fine, but we've, we've got a storm coming that we've got to push through first. Well, thank you. Thank you both for coming on. I think you shared some very real experiences and you gave your true opinions as to what you thought, especially when asked about um, the Labour movement and the right wing and the left, the left wing media as well. 
Um, so thank you very much for, for giving us your time and I, I really appreciate it. So unfortunately, that's all we have time for. Thank you both for taking time out of your day to chat to us. We really appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you want to keep in touch, we're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. The links are in the episode's description. Don't forget to subscribe. And links to the Labour campaign for trans rights and other organisations that might help are in the description also. Thanks for having us, Lauren. We really appreciate you coming back. And keep whinging and we'll see you soon.